Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Client Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson. And today's episode of the Client Blue Podcast isn't really the Client Blue Podcast. It's a compilation of the other Villa fan creators and podcasts out there across Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast from. And I've sat down to ask them a list of 10 questions. We're going to get their season predictions, Villa's top goal scorer, player of the year, who's going to finish in the top six, bottom three. So without any further ado, here's the 10 questions that I asked the Villa podcast community ahead of the new season. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, then Jack Grealish, and, and get it out of the way. People are sick of hearing about it. We don't want to hear about the Man City side and the trophies and Guardiola and all that. Let's talk about it from the Villa angle. How do you think Villa will handle his departure now, and how they cope without him moving forward? The more and more time I've had to assimilate kind of the loss of Jack Grealish, I think what we're going to lose is the identity for Aston Villa that Jack Jack Grealish brought us during our time of transition. You know, the the whole Phoenix from the Flames kind of an attitude that Aston Villa had being relegated and then coming through. And realistically, we got relegated when he just got his break in the team and the team grew with him because he was growing through the through the championship and up into the Premier League and almost being relegated again and then kicking on last year. And I think the team is a microchasm of what Jack Grealish's career was, I think. But, you know, I think good things come to an end. I'm going to miss Jack Grealish as he goes, and he's gone, and the club is going to have to pull up their bootstraps, and they're going to have to look uh, look to the future. And I'm really, really impressed with the recruitment that they've made so far, and I, and, and I know we'll probably talk about that later on, but I think that the club haven't wasted time feeling sorry for themselves. I think the club haven't wasted time, you know, um, woe is me attitude didn't kick in. They they. They were really grown up. They were really, really uh, adventurous in the transfer market. And I think what's what's really going to happen with, with with this is I think the club is now going to be on a more stable footing, for want of a better word, from a, a squad depth point of view, from a um, a financial point of view. I think, I think the biggest the biggest thing uh, is that we just have to really kind of trust the club because I think we're, we have grown-ups running the team at the moment. And I think all that kind of joined together is, is, is going to be the key for Aston Villa to kind of get over losing our most saleable, our most brandable, our most, uh, our most iconic player, you know, from where we were to where we're here and uh, where we are now, should I say. And as I say, the, the club and the player are now going to go on hopefully to bigger and better things and to, to you know, he's going to fulfill whatever he wants to do and I hope the club surpass whatever he does and and and, and outwins him, should I say, as he's gone to his, uh, his new home. I think we'll be fine. I think obviously it's not ideal losing a player of his quality. Look, he's world class and at the moment he's better than, than where Villa are but the way Perslow came out and said what he said in that five minute sort of Um, press statement to the fans I thought that was a real real touch of class and the owners have got their heads screwed on absolutely fine like there's no doubt about that I don't doubt the owners and I think if Grealish was going to leave under anybody I'd want it to be under um, Sawiris and Edens because I think we're absolutely fine I think the investment back into the back into the squad's fantastic Ings, Buendia um, bringing in big big names for big big money so I think we're absolutely fine I think the club's going in the right direction in terms of the youth setup as well Bodymore Heath getting um, upgrades all over the shop so 
look, it's not ideal, like I said, but I think we'll be absolutely fine. You can't dress it up as a good thing. I could sit here and lie. It's, Jack Grady leaving Aston Villa is never, never going to be a good thing. But I actually think the club handled it really well. And, and what they've done and the way they've acted, it's actually given me a lot of confidence moving forward. I always thought the day Grealish left, it would be one of the worst days as a, as a Villa fan that you could possibly have because he's been so integral and he's been so important. But... By signing Bailey that that day when we kind of knew he was going and then Danny Ings just coming from absolute nowhere, I think the club's pulled off a bit of a PR masterstroke, really, because Villa fans weren't thinking as much about Grealish leaving as they should be. They were thinking about, wow, we've just pulled one of the best Premier League strikers there is from absolutely nowhere and nobody knew it was happening. So I think the club's acted really well. I quite like the way Perslow spoke on the day as well and they've identified players that make up for the lack of Jack Grealish and we might actually end up having a more rounded attack because let's face it, it has been too reliant on Jack. And as much as I love him, as much as I think he's a world-class player and I'll miss watching him, it had become a bit more Jack Grealish FC rather than Aston Villa FC. And that's never going to be a good thing moving forward year on year. And we'd have just been going around in circles the same thing every summer. Like if we'd have finished top six, for example, in the, in the upcoming season, everyone would be saying, well, he, he should give us another year, see if we can get into Champions League. And for him, he obviously wants to win things. He obviously wants to test himself at the highest level now and work under Pep and play with Kevin De Bruyne. So I can I can understand it from both sides. I think the club did everything they could. But ultimately, I think moving forward from it, the club's in as good a place as they possibly could be. And that, that's a strong point. What this last couple of weeks has shown us, and probably the last few months really, is, is you know professional footballers are are different to us. At the end of the day, regardless of whether they're fans or not, they it's a career for them. It's a short career for them, and they think about it differently to uh, you know how we do. I, you know, I said on Twitter uh, a couple of times that for me, as a Villa fan, winning one trophy with Villa is, is worth ten times as much as winning a, a trophy with Man City. So, you know, I'd, I'd never give that up to go to Man City to do that but then obviously from Jack Grealish's perspective he's come through the academy as a player as a fan but more, more, more importantly as a player so it's a different experience for him it's a, it's a different way of thinking he's a bit disassociated from from the fans and the way that we see the game um, and the only real player I can think of that's more like is probably Mark Albrighton who you know goes to games regularly and you know is gutted to leave Villa but for Grealish is obviously a massive step up so you understand it, but from our perspective, I think from a Villa, Villa perspective, it's you know we've been so reliant on him. Um, it, it's probably become a bit unhealthy, to be honest, uh, in terms of everything going through him, him being the most important cog of the wheel, us being worried about you know making sure have we improved enough for for Jack to stay, and that sort of merry-go-round that was there every year. Um, it's not healthy for the club, I don't think. So I think what Christian Persler said. Was, was was brilliant to be honest, and, and uh, Dean Smith has said it in his interview as well on, on ABTV that you know we become so reliant on him that we need to to change it. He's irreplaceable. He's irreplaceable. But what they try to do is obviously in the aggregate is try and replace him. So you know you've got someone like Bandia who has a creativity, someone like Leon Bailey who has that ball retention skill and can dribble like Jack did, um, and then Danny Ings for the, for the goals, and then obviously a bit of experience and, and a talisman for us as well. So. They've tried to sort of share that burden across the team. Uh, are we a better team? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, we're definitely a better squad, I think. A uh, much more rounded squad. Um, we, we'll, I guess we'll see. It's so hard to replace Jack, isn't it? I, I think it's a, it's a difficult one. But you know, I, I'm quite happy with the with the window and the attacking areas and what we've got. And, and I think I think it's quite an exciting time. And I think Danny Ings is is a big 
is a massive, massive signing. You know, it's a statement signing because he, you know, he was there. He was going to replace Harry Kane as as the main man. Let's be honest, and and link with Chelsea, link with, with those types of clubs. For us to come in and out of nowhere, just sign him like that shows you the ambition of the club, shows you the way that we operate, and shows you the way uh, and where this club is heading. Which player do you think will be Villa's top goal scorer this season? It's got to be a toss-up between Watkins and Ings, really, hasn't it? Um, I think I think Watkins will see drift out wide a fair bit more than Ings this season, um, and I think that's the reason why I'm going to say Danny Ings. I think it'll be tight. There'll be two or three goals in it, but yeah, Danny Ings will be our top scorer this season. Top goal scorer. I don't think you can look any further than Danny Ings. I think Danny Ings just screams goals to me I think I'm right in saying nobody scored more Premier League goals over the last two seasons um, you could just see even from the training session on Saturday and the last friendly yesterday he's just in the right place at the right time he only needs half a yard to open up his and get that shot in. I think Ings will be our top scorer um, and hopefully not too far behind him will be Watkins with hopefully then the rest of the midfield chipping in here and there. But yeah. Everything I've seen so far leads me to believe that Ali Watkins is going to be the main man to lead the line. Uh, He may be pushed out into the wing, but I still fancy him to get a few goals. I still fancy him to be our top scorer this season. Um, The threat of competition from Danny Ings or even playing with uh, Wiley Old Fox like Danny Ings up there is always going to be going going to bring the best out of players like Ali Watkins. He's been in around the England squad. You know, he seems to be a sponge for for information, a sponge for knowledge, a sponge for for, for getting better. And and, and you can see that through his years with Exeter and Brentford. So for me, I think it's going to be Ali Watkins that is going to bang in goals for Aston Villa this season. I'm going to make a tentative prediction that he's going to hit the 18 goal mark minimum. I think Ings and Watkins are going to do... 40 goal contributions between them, just those two. 40 goals? 40 goal contributions are between them, goals and assists. I think they'll get 40 between them. I think we play two up top. I'm going to go with Ollie Watkins. I'm going to say 20 goals for Ollie Watkins this season. I think Villa's top goal scorer will, will be Ollie Watkins. I do think that Watkins gets enough on the on the pitch. And I think with the um, surrounding entourage around him now that are very you know exciting and you know the kind of players that know how to find somebody. I, I think it will be Watkins, and I, I think he's going to have a fantastic season, even even in the absence of he who shall not be named. It has to be Danny Ings. I think when you bring in a player of that calibre, one of the best finishers in the Premier League with our creativity, which I hope we can have this season with him, Buendia, Bailey. Um, you know, I feel like Watkins is probably going to get a few assists as well. I feel like it's going to be Danny Ings for me. I feel like he's going to be Villa's top scorer this season. You know, initially I would have said Ollie Watkins and then Danny Ings came along and we saw Danny Ings doing Danny Ings things. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how they split the goals, whether both will increase their output. I would have said before Danny Ings came along that Ollie Watkins would have scored 20 this year because last year he had 14. He hit the woodwork seven times, and I believe he had three VAR laser lines uh, out, 
rule out goals. So, you know, from that perspective, I think he probably could hit 20 all on his own. But now with Ings, does that share the goal tally around? I still think it's going to be Watkins, and I think he'll benefit greatly from Danny Ings. But uh, I think if you were to say to any Villa fan, well, how about if each of them scored 15 goals? I think you'd probably take that. I know. I think it'll actually be really close. Top goal scorer between Watkins and Ings. I mean, if you look at the friendly, it looks like we are going to play two up front. And there's just goals in, in that side now. I will go Ings just because I think he's the, he's the more... He's like cold as ice in, in front of goal. Watkins had a very good season, got 14 goals. I think he'll improve. And I think he possibly could have got more if it wasn't for VAR. And he did miss a couple of chances in some games as well. When you think about... I think he went 10 or 11 games with, without scoring a goal at one point last season, despite playing really well. But I think Ings is probably the stronger finisher of the two. He got off the mark in the friendly on Sunday. So I'll... I'll go Danny Ings with 16, 17 goals. I'll go 17 goals. It's got to be Watkins or Ings. Just their clinical nature we saw in the Championship and the Premier League. And I think Ings didn't get a fair crack at it when he went to Liverpool. But for Burnley and Southampton, he showed his class, he showed his clinical edge, his sharpness in front of goal alongside Watkins. But if you're asking me to pick Watkins or Ings, that's a hard one, really. I think Danny's going to have a big impact. I'm going to go with Danny. Danny Ings will be top scorer. And your player of the season for Villa? This might be a bit of a left-field choice, but I'm going to say Matty Cash. I expect him to have you know, a similar season to Matt Target did last season. Um, you know, Cut out some of the mistakes, learn from his first season, you know, playing regularly in the top flight. Um, I think he'll gain a bit of confidence as well. And, and I think, yeah, I think he'll have a, a real good season and, and truly push on this year. I think... We're still going to see an awful lot of defensive rearguard action from Aston Villa this season. I think that while we have improved in the flair and attacking ability up front, I think it's going to take time for people like Leon Bailey to click in there. And I'm going to go to defender for our player of the season this year. And I think Ezri Konza is going to come out of the blocks and be an absolute stone wall, brilliant player as he was last season. But I think this season he gets the plaudits for it. And I'm going to go with now from left field, Ezri Konza as our player of the season this season. I'm going to go Martinez. I think he was probably up there this time last year um, in terms of player of the season for last season. And I just think he saves us so many points on his own. Um, he's a world-class keeper. He's just come off the um, winning the trophy with Argentina. So, look, I think he's he's world-class and he'll probably win us a lot of points this season. So, yeah, he'll, he'll be my player of the season. I'll go Buendia as his replacement. I think Buendia is going to create a lot of chances for us, but I think he's he's got that pressing game that I think the Villa fans all like. He, he works really, really hard. He's got a bit of a nasty streak as well. You'll probably see a couple of a dodgy red cards thrown in for him in the season because I think he can be a bit of a hothead at times, but he's got the technical ability I think with his pressing and his work, right, I think he'll be someone that the Villa fans will really take too. So, yeah, Emi Buendia. Between two, Buendia and Ezri Konda for me, I think Buendia is going to really surprise people how good he is. He he can be Jack level in terms of his creativity. You know, he was there or thereabouts with Jack in that couple of seasons ago when he was playing in the Premier League in terms of his output and chances created and all those, all those metrics that we measure Jack on. Um, obviously, he went to the Championship and was just too good for the Championship. So, I think he could be up there and I think it would surprise a few, but I think Ezri Konzo was so consistent last year. Um, such a good player, improving game by game. It's just it's such a class defender. He's, he's the most naturally gifted defender I've seen since Paul McGrath, who was like one of the first players I watched when I when I was a kid. So I think I think Ezri Konzo for me is gonna be the gonna be the man. Purely from an assist and key chances, but I think it's gonna be Evan Buendia. Um, I don't think Villa fans are really prepared for how well he can actually pass the ball. I think he's going to be finding a lot, and I think he's actually going to enable us to have more of a scoring midfield than we've seen in the past couple of seasons. 
Uh, maybe Joe McGinn arriving late, maybe even Morgan Sanson, you know, because he, he definitely has somewhat of a shot on him. He just hasn't got to prove that yet. But yeah, I think that uh, Emmy Blundy is going to have a fantastic season. He'll be player of the season. Villa's player of the season. I'm going to go with Buendia. I feel like the little Argentinian magician is going to have a real good season for Villa. He's an assist machine. And I think when you've got the firepower of Watkins and Danny Ings up front, I think... You know, it's a match made in heaven for him. I feel like it's a step up, him joining Aston Villa. I feel like he's going to love it at Villa as well. And I think he's going to be a real fan favourite. If the player of the season in 21-22 is Leon Bailey, then a lot of people will be very, very happy with that business. And I see a lot of people are trying to compare, because he can play on the left and on the right, they're trying to compare him to Jack Grealish. It's not fair to compare him with Jack Grealish today, Uh, more realistic, compare him to Jack Grealish of three years ago when he was 23, and that was in the promotion year. And when you look at Leon Bailey's tools and what he's able to do and how versatile he is, but also his explosiveness, he's faster than Grealish. He also takes a lot of pride in assists, and he made special mention of that. I love setting up my teammates, whereas sometimes, I think as Villa fans, we all complain about how much Jack Grealish hung on to the ball and, and maybe hung on to it too long at times. So if it's Leon Bailey for being exciting and for getting you out of your seat, but also for being productive, then that's going to look like a very good buy. John McGinn for me. I reckon John McGinn's going to have a blinding season. Um, he said he's feeling as fit as he's ever been. Um and I think he'll be keen to prove a point, especially with, you know, us adding a lot more depth to the squad um, over the last few seasons, you know, and I expect us to do more um, more business this window in the middle of the field. Uh, so I think he's going to come back with a point to prove and show why he deserves his place in the starting eleven. I can only really see it. I mean, last season for me, he was a big impact. I think he'll be a big impact again when we try and push for those European places. And that's Emmy Martinez, probably an outward shout. In terms of, I think, maybe some of your guests may go for your Buendias or your Baileys or those attacking players who really have the talent and skill to really progress down the field and be a real clinical edge in terms of in front of goal. But the defence and the goalkeeper sometimes goes a bit underrated and under the radar. But I think Martinez will be player of the season. Just last season, his class in front of goal, of course, with the Copa America with Argentina, but that experience they'll have with some of the world's top, top players like Messi coming back to Villa just sharing the expertise and his craft in terms of being a goalkeeper, but a leader as well. We need multiple leaders in our squad and that will be important going through next season. But I think Martinez will be player of the season for me. When you're back at Villa Park in a couple of weeks' time, which player are you most excited to watch this season? I'm looking forward to watching Jan McGinn. And that might not be, like, he's obviously been here for a while. And the reason I'm looking forward to watching Jan McGinn is because I think Aston Villa are going to play a a different structure this season. They're going to play a different formation. What it is is still to be written. I'm not quite sure what it is. But I, if you look at John McGinn over the last three seasons, he's played a different role each season. And I'm just really interested to see what he can adapt to and play to this season. Okay, last season was probably statistically maybe not his best season, but he does a job. I love him. I think he's great. I think he's going to be the new embodiment of Aston Villa going forward. The dogged um, play with a play with a smile, play with your heart in your sleeve kind of guy. And uh, you know, in the absence of um, he who shall not be named, I think that uh, that Jack or uh, that uh, I nearly named him. I think John McGinn is. Um, is the player that I'm really looking forward to because I think he needs to kind of grow into that leadership role and he needs to make that midfield his own. And uh, hopefully, as I said, that uh, Dean Smith will give him the we give him the reins in midfield to, to to push on and really drive things from there. 
Um, I'm going to go with one of the new signings in Leon Bailey. I think it's a, it's a tight one between him and Buendia, but I think I know a little bit more about Buendia than I do Bailey, which is why I'm excited to see what he can offer, because I've watched a couple of Leverkusen games. I know a little bit about him, but because we've watched Buendia in the Premier League and Championship before, we know what he's about. Whereas Bailey, we know he's fast, he's skillful, he scores outrageous goals. So I just want to see that in a Villa shirt. So I think he's going to be top class this season. I'm most excited to probably watch Leon Bailey. There's a little bit of the unknown about him. I mean, I can't say I've seen tons of the Bundesliga, but I've watched games and I know how highly thought of he was in that league. You know, he's a he's a signing who I think perhaps is maybe a, a little bit above Villa, like the kind of signing that we should be aiming for because he's been playing for a very good team. He's played Champions League football and European football for Leverkusen, scored 14 goals in a really tough league. And if you look at his his stats for a winger, you know, he's a, he's around the Bayern Munich wingers for his output last season. He's just so direct. He's got that pace that I think Villa have missed over the last few years. I don't think we've had enough pace in the side and he rectifies that. And I just think he'll get shots off on his left foot as well. I think he's a really, really exciting player. I think we've got him for a good price as well. He was cheaper than he probably should have been because he only had two years left on his contract. So I would say Leon Bailey is probably the one I'm most excited about because there's that that tinge of unknown. Wasn't someone I would have really expected at the, at the start of the window. And yeah, he's got that electrifying pace and that's something that I think we've missed. My brother's been raving about him for a few years and saying, oh, why haven't we gone for him? And when we signed Troy, he was saying, you know, why didn't we go for Leon Bailey? So... I'm really excited to see him play. He's so quick, but more importantly, he's, he's so good on the ball at speed. So, so many players we've seen, you know, we've seen with Adama Traore as an example, you know, rapid, rapid pace, but not always with his head up. Um, and he's, Bailey's not as quick as Adama, but not far off. But he's, he's able to get his head up and pick a pass and he can use both feet as well. So I think he's going to get bombs off seats. Uh, and I think he's going to be... It's just, his game's just suited for Premier League. Whether you know, it may take him a bit of time to adapt, I guess we'll see. But I think he's going to be that player who's going to, who's going to excite fans, definitely. So going back to Villa Park, seeing the squad shaping up, I'm really looking forward to seeing Matty Cash. I feel like he's a player that I'm really looking forward to seeing. The players from last season as well, not even the new signings. So Watkins, I wasn't fortunate enough to go to the Chelsea game. So Watkins for me, um, and obviously the new players such as Bailey, Buendia, Ings. Just looking forward to seeing the whole squad shaping up, really. And I'm intrigued to see how we look without Grealish. That, that's one of the, the main things that I'm looking forward to now, um, watching us climb that league table. <laughs> there's so many there because uh, Bailey obviously is the most intriguing because there's so much not to know given his you know lack of having been in the Premier League before, but having seen a lot of Leverkusen and knowing what he's capable of, that's exciting. But also, I'm a goalkeeper, and so watching Emmy Martinez after helping, and well, he was the penalty whisperer at the, at the Copa, and he darn well helped win the whole thing on behalf of his buddy and teammate, Leo Messi, he, he's going to go into this season feeling 10 feet tall. And I just think that he may take another step in his career this year. And so I always have a bit of a fondness for goalkeepers. And I, I'm looking very much forward to seeing how he evolves as a leader and shot stopper and all those other things. And whether he can this year, maybe break that Brad Friedel mark of 15 clean sheets. The big one that people have probably tuned in for is where do you think Villa will finish? Uh, so if you had to put the, uh, your neck on the line now, where do you think Villa finish next season? I think Aston Villa will finish by 8th and 9th. Um, I think despite all the new arrivals, there's going to be a bedding in period. We've had a very 
tough, rough kind of pre-season where things haven't quite gone to plan. Um, and I think you know we're, we're going to be learning new tactical styles and adjusting to unfortunately life without Jack Grealish. Um, I think we can still kick on and improve, but I think Europe might just be that step too far this season. I'm going to cop out here. I'm going to say seventh place and get into the Europa Conference. And Sorry, seventh place and get into Europe is what I'm going to say. <laughs> but uh, I, I think the Villa can build on last season. I don't think a lot of it, like there's there's not many other teams have done better business than Aston Villa, even though we've lost Jack Grealish. I don't think there's many teams that have done better business than us. Uh, teams that are around us have bought some players, like Everton have brought in some players at the moment. But to be honest with you, you know, you're going to give me Andres Townsend over Leon Bailey, Andres Townsend over Buendia. You know, the, the quality we've brought into our squad, albeit losing losing somebody like Jack Grealish, I think is uh, is um, it, it's, it's night and day to what a lot of other teams have done. I think Villa can kick on. I think we're very unlucky last season. I think our squad depth cost us last season, not just Jack Grealish being out, but our squad depth not being able to change our strikers. We have that opportunity, that ability to 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 do that now, while also you know having some more days left in the transfer market to maybe bring in one or two more players. I think Villa can kick on and hit seventh, eighth, seventh, sixth. I wouldn't be surprised to see Villa kick on and hit those hit those positions because just looking down through the league so far as we're speaking here today, and um, no one else has done any better business than us. I think having a look at the league table as a whole. Um, when you look at last season, I, I think the top four, five pick themselves, don't they? So then you're having a look at who else finished above us last season West Ham, Spurs, Arsenal, Leeds, and Everton. Um, can we make any gains on? those clubs. I think that's possible. Look at West Ham. They've lost Lingard. Um, I think this season will be uh, more difficult for them. Spurs are in, in, uh, in a bit of a mess. They don't know what's going on with Harry Kane. I reckon that will drag on right to the end of the window. They've got a new manager. Arsenal are just in a mess. I, I just feel like they're in decline. Leeds I think it'll be more difficult than this season. I think teams will have worked them out. Everton, um, I saw yesterday, even in their pre-season, they were singing, you're going to be sacked in the morning to Rafa, which never works if the um, hands are on your back from the very start. So I do feel there's some gains to be had there. So realistically I think all in all having said all that I think the Villa could finish 7th 8th and I would be happy with that I think Villa will finish 7th which I believe would get you European football of some sort perhaps the conference league which I'm not sure I fully understand at the moment but yeah I think I think we'll finish 7th and I'd like to see uh, some good cup runs because I think that's what the fans want to say. You know, you want to say the club wins something. We've not won something since 1996. So 
I think seventh, but anything between seventh and ninth is, is, is progress. I suppose even if you finish tenth, technically, it's progress. But it, it, I want to say it's win something because it's been way too long. I think it's tough. I think the aim's got to be Europe, for sure. I think you've got to go for that seventh place in the Europa Conference or whatever it is. Uh, but I think that'll be a really, really good achievement, especially after what's happened this summer with, with losing our best player. Um, but would you take tenth place and 57 points? Maybe, but when you've got players who want to play in Europe, like like Bailey, who's played in the Champions League before, um, you know this club has to get Europe at some point. And I, I don't know. I think if if we miss out on Europe, but we make a good good go at it, I don't think it's the end of the world. And then we get Europe next year. But I think definitely you've got to be going for that that seventh place. Um, I say seventh. That's what I think, and that might surprise a few people because obviously with Jack leaving, people are expecting us to finish maybe eleventh, tenth, like last season. But I really think. If we get, and I'm sure we'll come on to this, if we get one more key player, then I think we've got a much better squad than last season. Not so reliant on Jack, um, with players able to do what Jack did in terms of creativity and goals. So I don't see why we can't finish top eight. But seventh, I think, I'm going to be optimistic and say seventh, and I think that might be good enough for Europe as well, which would be Amazing, amazing. But I, th- I think of the powers that be, they're probably looking for top 10 again and maybe trying to push for Europe, but maybe next year, definitely Europe. But I think we can get it this year uh, as long as you know, people stay fit um, and, the, and the signings, you know, they, they bed in, which will take some time. I don't expect us to start that well, to be honest, uh, because it's been such a horrible preseason for, for most clubs, but also for us with Dean Smith being is- you know, isolating for 10 days. Leon Bailey only just coming in, Buendia being injured, Watkins getting injured, Jack going, Ings just coming in. You know, it's going to be a, a tough start, I think. But then once we do get going, I think it's going to be uh, good times for Villa fans. If I had to put my neck on the line, if I really had to make a decision, I would say ninth. I think that this team, it's young. There's experience there, obviously, now with some of the players that we brought in. But I think a ninth position is kind of, you know, it's still that compounded project of like we're getting better we're getting there we're getting there i just don't think that we're i mean i'd love to i'd love to be proven wrong but i just don't think we're at the fact yet to get into some kind of european competition just yet it's going to be it's going to be a little while so i feel like villa's finishing position this season is going to be eighth i feel as long as we've seen year on year progress that's enough for me uh as long as we're climbing the table a lot of fans are thinking Europe, but I, I just feel like it's we are going to have a little bit of a transition at the start of this season, which we might not pick up the points that we we feel like we are. But I feel like we will. I feel like we will get better and better as the season goes on. So for me, somewhere around eighth, seventh, ninth, that's where I, I see us finishing this season. They needed another four wins to be in the Champions League places last year, and when you look back on the season and how many draws turn into losses or when they were in leading positions a couple times turning into draws that wasn't that far off apart from the Grealish injury which obviously did them in in the second half of the season so if they spread the goals around there's no reason to think that they can't finish fifth or sixth and that means they have to have as good a season as they had last year but add more goals and the whole point of this year has been to try to increase the collective expected goals and also to do better with the ball in the front third possession wise up until the front third villa's decent in possession i mean they can keep it ticking around but if they have the players now that can keep possession and you look at Wendy and bailey and ings in addition to ollie watkins 
I think that, first of all, there'll be a better front-pressing team, which means they'll create more chances in the front third, and they'll be more careful with the ball when they do have it there and more ruthless with the ball. And so really, it's going to come down to that value. Can they do more in the front third and keep the ball more? And if they do that, there is no reason to believe with how they've built a pretty solid foundation at the back that they can't make up those four wins. It's a lofty point total to get 12 more points. But I don't see any reason why not. And I think a lot of people will be looking past Aston Villa because, you know, it's Aston Villa. And that's how the media looks at them. And you know what? That's perfectly okay. Sometimes it's good to be the little guy that sneaks up on you. I mean, I put a tweet out this morning and asked people what they thought. And it got 700 replies, which I was a bit overwhelmed with. And the general consensus on Twitter seems to be between 8th and 12th. And I think that's I think that's fair. Oh, I'm going to say 7th to 10th, being optimistic. I think it's possible if the team gel well and we do a little bit more business, I think 7th to 10th is realistic. I think 8th is quite a uh, it's re- it's respectful finish, but I think they will finish around there. And it's improvement from 11th finish, you know. I think with the additions we're making, we're not overalling the squad too much. We're not bringing too many players in. We need to do that in the first Premier League season. But in the next few seasons, as we've seen, we're bringing in more key, quality, world-class additions who can come into the squad. Like Matt Cash has room to grow, but was perfect on the right back. Uh, Martinez, we didn't necessarily think we needed Martinez, but he's been brought in. I think eight finish due to the fact that we're bringing in these world-class talents. Uh, a squad on the all, overall, is more um, compact. It's more clinical. And I think eighth finish will be really fair. Following on from that then, what counts as success? How, how do you define success? Is it just being better than last year? Is it winning the trophy? Is it Europe or bust? How do you define what success is for Aston Villa? I think it's a better improved points tally. Um, and that's saying something, considering last season was one of our best seasons from points tally in, in, in the Premier League of all time. I think it was like the eighth or ninth highest points total that we've ever had. Uh, I'm open to correction on that, but I think that uh, I, I think the that the club are are going to measure success in a lot of ways. I, I think the club internally are going to measure success in how does the does the the the, the playing squad develop. The likes of Carney, Chuck Moeka, the likes of Jaden Philogene Bades playing lots and lots and lots of games. Um, I think from that standpoint, I think a success a success measure will be: Are we going to see those more regularly towards the end of the season, or are they going to peter out? Can we keep them growing within a senior squad now that they've come out of of the academy? Um, off the field, I think obviously you know trying to replicate or even surpass the points total from last year uh, is what is 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 what the numerical kind of value I think that, that the club will put on success internally. I think it's going to be focused on the league. I think every if if any Premier League team says to you that they don't focus on the league um, and that the cups are really important. I think they're lying to you because the money comes from the league. And then the last last piece that I think is, I think success to a fan. I think success to a fan will be winning a cup because, you know, for a team like Aston Villa, like everybody still talks about 94 and 96. You know, they do and they will continue to do it until there's a new reason to talk about something, whether it be a League Cup or it be an FA Cup. And we all said when Jack Grealish left, it would mean more to win an FA Cup with Aston Villa than it would to win 13 of them with Man City over the next 13 years. And, you know, I think the, the success measures will be will be threefold. I think um, the I think the coaching staff, the success measure will be bringing youth players through the team. I think at boardroom level, it will be surpassing the Premier League total because it's just where the money is. And I think on the, uh, with the fans level, I think obviously success is silverware and we like to see success. So if we can 
if we could tick all three of those boxes at the end of the season, I think it would be a monu- monumental season for Aston Villa. I mean, you could finish with less points and finish higher in the league. I think finishing higher in the league is what I would look at. If we can get ourselves in the in the top half and we've pushed for Europe, you know, a lot will say we should we should have got Europe last season, and I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think if Jack hadn't got injured. You, you, you would have seen that. I think we'd have been pushing somewhere close to 6th, 7th last season. So I think looking in those positions, again, that would be a success. But success can come in a lot of ways. You know, if you, you've got youngsters that you're looking to bring through, if a couple of them come through and have strong seasons and make more of an impact, you know, that's success because no youngsters properly come through since, since Jack Grealish. I think there will be like a little bit of, of teething problems perhaps at the start of the season. You, you're getting used to playing without someone who's been there for seven, eight years, someone who you've relied on heavily for the last two, three, four years. It's going to be it's going to be hard without him. So I think there, there will be those teething problems perhaps at, at the start of the season, which, which might hold us back. But then we got off to a flyer last season and had a terrible end to the season. So progress is, is finishing higher for me and Winning something would just be out of this world. The feeling, I can't imagine what it would feel like to win something because I was 10 the last time it happened. I don't want to be one of these teams who, you know, pushes for top six one year and then his bottom half next year. You know, I think we gradually, gradually improve. And you can see the way we're going about things. First year, obviously, was difficult. We had to buy lots of players um, and spread that money around. But saw, you saw last year, we bought quality with Watkins, Martinez, Cash and, and those types of players. This year, we've gone to level up with Buendia, and and Bailey and now Ings, you know, we're we're basically the best of the rest, I think, uh, in terms of clubs that players can go for. Apart from the top four or five teams, you know, we I think we can compete with like Spurs, Arsenal, Everton for those players now. Uh, and for me, I think we need to be success. For me, is being in and amongst that that sort of group again, pushing for Europe. Um, yeah, forget Europe, amazing. But as long as we're, you know, I mean, eleventh place last season, we got fifty five points. I think pretty much every season in the last 10 years, that would have been good enough for 7th, 8th or ninth um, in previous seasons. So it was still a good season. I think people forget how how difficult it was to to finish further up than, than 11th. You know, we still got a really good points tally. But I think for, for me, if we can get the 60-point mark this season, that's that's good progression. And hopefully it might be enough for, depending on what happens elsewhere, for a, a top 8, top 7 finish. Well, I think the way the club's been looking at it is progress. Are we progressing? And they have progressed by leaps and bounds so far. So progression will mean they will have to increase their point total. They will have to increase their goals. And those players that are now in the second year of the project, you are hoping that they crack on. Players like Matty Cash, for example. And what Matty Cash needs to do is very clear. He, too, needs to do better in the front third of keeping hold of the ball, being more dangerous, knowing when to go, when to play the ball. So it's it's all about progress to me. And if Aston Villa do progress from last year, then they probably will be in those European places, even if it's Europa League. And that would be a fantastic achievement. To get into Europe three years after promotion would be downright remarkable. That's a tough one. Obviously, 11th last year, which I think was really, really good. I think 55 points any other season probably gets you higher. Um, but I think I said eighth on my channel, but... I'm gonna I'm gonna say ninth. I'm not gonna put my eggs all in one basket in eighth. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ninth. I think we are gonna progress again. Um, but I just I don't know. I just think with the, the lack of preseason, I don't know if we're with that prepared. But then our start is kind of favourable. Brentford, Newcastle, Watford. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go ninth again. A season of progression. Success to me is year on year. You know, if we get Europe, cool. If we finish eighth or ninth, cool. That is progress. It's not an overnight finger. I don't think 
it's I don't think we should just class Europe as success. I think anything above last year is success. As long as you're on yeah, we keep getting but there's gonna get we're gonna hit a wall with it eventually where you know, if we keep going higher and higher and higher and higher, you know, th- there's going to be a wall where, you know, we're only at the top. And I genuinely think that's the owner's plan is to take us all the way back to back to the top. And, you know, it's un- unheard of in our lifetime. So, you know, it's going to be a new feeling. You know, we don't know what it's like to, you know, win the league as grown-ups with feelings and emotions, you know. We, we've experienced playoff final heartbreak and we've experienced playoff final happiness, you know, and relegation as well. You know, we, we, we felt it all and coming back up, you know, so let's let's feel some good things. You know, we come close to the Carabao Cup, you know, let's push for some silverware this year. It's more than doable. If we can do it with the team that we did against Man City and get to the final, I have no doubt that this team can get far in uh, in the cups. Um, for me personally, I just think that it would reaffirm my belief in the universe and how it likes to send you signals every now and again. I think it would be beautiful if Villa found a way to win a cup competition, whether the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup, to kind of tell JG10, hey, you know, you could have stayed, you could have won one two here. Um, but if that doesn't work out, I would just like Villa to, to just, you know, continue it, not even from you know, the year before the finishing position, comparing those two, because there is a contrast level there of, okay, we did it with these players. Now we acquired these players. How are they actually going to go? But I would say, yeah, anywhere between ninth and ninth, 10th, 11th, I would still be okay with that. But, you know, the success is having this team to where we don't have to spend money every single transfer season you know we don't have to mess with it so you know just to get these players together know and have them have a trust in the system a trust in the project of this is how it's going to be for the next few seasons this is the part you play let's get on with it and try to try to get some glory back in this great club progression year on year progression as long as we're getting better and better uh, that that's all i'm looking for i feel like we are going to be under pressure a little bit. I feel like Smith will be under pressure as well because the owners have put in so much money year after year and they're going to want to start seeing rewards, whether it's cup success or or knocking on the, the door at Europe as well. So I'd like to see us go strong in a tournament, maybe try and reach cup final and win one. I think our squad is the best it's looked for years. We've got competition all over in every single position now. So we should be able to go deep in both tournaments, uh, cup competitions, sorry. And, yeah, just to progress and get and get better. I think as, as Villa fans, as long as we're progressing and we can see that, I think it's going to keep everybody happy as well. How do you rate the summer transfer business that Villa have done so far then? I think it's been really savvy. I think the owners came out uh, when the season ended and I don't think they were preparing to bid and buy for players as much as they are, but they saw that opportunity where the likes of Arsenal and Tottenham were fading in terms of their transfer business. They'll have really come out and they've signed Emi Wendia. They're signed Leon Bailey. They're looking for these central midfielders potentially, but those players to really make a difference where it needed because we've now got the attacking talents and I agree she's gone, but we're really improving in that area. So for me, really, just the additions in key areas that we have and just securing that formation and making sure that, yes, we defend well, which we have been doing, and keeping that back five alongside Martinez. But the key additions in Bailey and Buendia, who are very artful, very skillful, will really be a clinical edge for Nicole. They're the key signings. So, yeah, I really think they did a really good job in that area. Yeah, I think we've done great business this window. Um, I'm happy with Leon Bailey, happy with Buendia. Good to see Ashley Young in. You know, we're, 
we, we seem to be replacing the experienced heads in the changing room from the ones we've lost, you know, like Neil Taylor, that, you know, the, the staff and players openly talk about how massive he was, you know, in the changing room and on the training pitch. So, you know, to bring, bring that, you know, we have a very, very young squad average. Um, it's good to bring in those players. So, you know, Ashley on great bit of business, knows Villa Park, knows the fans, knows what we're about, knows the intensity of the Premier League and just coming back off, you know, playing for Inter Milan, you know, which is huge. You know, so to, to be playing at 36 in the Premier League, you know, it's not common nowadays really for, you know, players to still be giving legs in the Premier League at 36, which shows he's, you know, he's still he's still an exceptional talent. Um as the window stands currently, I'm happy with the business that we've done, but I think we need to do a little bit more. I don't know how you could say anything other than it has been maybe one of the most incredible transfer windows in the club's history. And you know they're not done yet, uh, given the links that are being put out there. And I think they are still an elite midfielder away from being a real problem for other sides. Uh, so, you know, you add that and the, the obvious business they need to do, probably a backup goalkeeper. Maybe there is one more. You hear rumblings of a foreign player that's difficult to achieve. I, I do wonder if that's Julian Alvarez, who I really like and rate as a player. But I mean, right now, as it stands, the window has been absolutely incredible because it feels like all the players they've brought in, they've sort of got below market value. Maybe Danny Ings is a little on the high side at $27 million or whatever it is. But everybody else, it feels like, given the early quotes, that they've done better than they probably should have in a, an evaluation sense. When you think about Ben White going to Arsenal for $50 million quid, you know, Aston Villa, I think, have done remarkably well. I love it. Um, I think we've we've been cute in where, we've, where we have strengthened. Um, we have... Uh, we've identified people and gone about our business pretty stealthily, if that's a word. Uh, Arsenal thought they were going to get Bundia. We snuck in. We got Bundia. We just basically came to the table and said, "Look, do you want to play with us? Yes. Do you want what? What would you like to play for us?" We went to Norwich and we asked them what their price was, and we came to a, 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 a price that, that satisfied both teams. Um, same with Ashley Young. Ashley Young was a Burnley's training ground. We we identified him. We realized there was a threat. We went in. There was no nonsense. We got him. Leon Bailey was wrapped up and done between a bid being made, bid being accepted, and player doing a, somewhat of a press conference, uh, all in the space of 48 hours. And then Danny Ings. You know, if anybody had prior knowledge of Danny Ings, I would nearly call him a liar because it was uh, that was like the Fort Knox of... Um, of secrets uh, for transfers. So um, I think the club have prepared for both instances, you know, of Jack saying Jack going, and I think they've gone about their business very, very well. We've brought in flair players. We've brought in a nice balance of ages as well, which is, which is nice because losing, losing experience is difficult to replace. Uh, the only way you can gain experience is by just playing those years and being in those situations. So if you can buy in experiences in certain areas that maybe, you know, can help, areas of your team that might be, you know, full of potential, but lacking on, on, uh, on, on things to draw from. That's very, very good. And I think Ashley Young is going to be a lot more pivotal to this team than uh, a lot of people are talking about due to his versatility, playing literally anywhere on the left-hand side up to, and probably including at some stages this season, he might even play as a second striker. Um, so, so far, so good, I think. And, and you know what? Even Axon Kluanzebi, bringing back in somebody who's who's used to the club, knows the manager, knows the system, knows what he's going to get from those players, has played with a good good portion of this team already. I just think it's been very intelligent uh, transfer, transfer window from Aston Villa. And 
that's not something you could really say about the club over the last 25 years. It's been a coherent and intelligent transfer window and, and it's not over yet. So I'm really, really happy. So, you know, if, if I was to look at the beginning of the season, if, sorry, before the summer window, what, what were the gaping holes? Obviously, it was the reliance on Jack and being able to spread that creativity around. We did that with Bayern Bandia. Pace, I thought we were really one pace last season. We've, we fixed that with Bailey. Backup or, or competition for Watkins, we've got that with Danny Ings. Obviously, missing Jack is going to be massive, but you hope those players will, will chip in all together and players like Traore will improve as well. Um, Defence as well was a, was key for me and, and experience. So, Twanzebi coming in, was obviously fixes a number of different positions and, and gives us solidity there at the back and, and ability to go through at the back. And experience, you know, with Danny Ings coming in, but more importantly, Ashley Young, I think, you know, I, I was really, when I saw him being linked with Watford and Burnley, I was like, you know, why aren't we going for it? I mean, it just makes sense to me. I watched quite a lot of Inter Milan games last season because just because of lockdown, it was on TV. And, you know, he played 26 games, I think, for, for Inter Milan and it was a mainstay in their team. It was a massive part of them them doing so well last season and winning the title. I understand Inter Milan going to have most of the ball and, you know, playing left wing back and he's going to be in attacking positions, but he's still got that ability. He's still super, super fit. And more importantly, you know, his, his experience is massive for us and he knows and loves the club. So for him to come back as well, a bit of nostalgia there, uh, which is always good. And, and I, I don't think it's nostalgia for nostalgia reasons. You know, I think he's, he's, the, he's the right type of player we needed. He covers both fullback positions and the wing as well, should, should we need it in the in sort of worst case scenario. So I think for me, you know, we're almost there to having an A, which considering we've, you know, we've lost our main player and our best player to having an a sort of a, you know, in terms of grading a, a a star sort of grading, as long as we sign that sort of midfielder that we're, we're all craving for, which I think is the weakest area of our of our team at this present time. I think it's massive. I mean, I'm I'm loving it. Again, I don't think people really realize how good you know uh, Leon Bailey could be once he gets here and uh, once he gets acclimated to the Premier League. It is a very physical league, and that's something that he's going to have to deal with um, and learn about. And actually, you know, it's not always going to come as easy to him. Very physically gifted players um, in the Premier League. That would be something. But he is very exciting. And same with Buendia. People only saw, really saw him in Norwich. I don't know a lot of Aston Villa fans that watch a lot of Norwich games. Um, being over here in the States with having the time off in the mornings, I've actually watched them quite a bit. So I know about Emi Buendia and his MO. And I think that he's going to be fantastic for Villa. He has great players around him, hardworking players around him as well that are only going to complement his style. So, yeah, I, I just I, I think that's 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 pretty much how it's going to go. I think it's as good as it could be um, when you look to sign quality players without having that Champions League um, carrot to um, put in front of players. I think it's very difficult, but with the signings with with we we have made I do feel we've done as well as possible and there were potentially Champions League clubs looking at them so I think hats off to Christian Herzlow and Lang and everybody else behind the scenes um, because I think it's been really really good Obviously, the transfer window closes a couple of weeks after the season starts. 
Do you think we need any more additions to the to the Villa squad? Is there an area of the pitch that you still think needs strengthening? I think we lack a bit of height in the midfield, and I think that's been our downfall for a, a couple of years now, and it could be our downfall for the upcoming season if we don't fix it. Um, but the more players we bring in, the heavier this squad is getting, and I do think we're going to need to see departures sooner rather than later. I think Herrhain will leave this summer. Uh, I think that's almost a definite... But the arrival of another midfielder would have to depend a lot of the style of player we're looking for. Ideally, I'd like someone in the in the mould of Sander Berge. But at the same time, I wouldn't be disappointed if we started the season with our current squad. I don't have a name, but someone of the NDD mould. Okay, he's the one I always go to. You know, Leicester kind of plucked him from nowhere and they've sat him in there. And he's really integral to what they do. He's really important. And when he's not there, you can really notice it. I just think... We're a bit, a bit nice at times. We're not the most physical side in the world. You know, you've got the tall centre-backs, but there's not a lot of height around the team. There's not a lot of physicality there. So you could perceive that the club's a little bit lightweight in certain areas and central midfield. That's the area you look at and think there needs to be a little bit of physicality in there. You know, Nakamba's the defensive midfielder when he plays. He gets round the pitch round. He Yes, well, he gets around the pitch well, sorry, but he puts his foot in, but, you know, he hasn't got that tough physical frame. I, th- I think we need someone who's a, who's a bit more dominant. So someone of the NDD, Fabinho Mould, that, that would be the type of player I'd like to see a sign, but I don't know that there's many players like that out there, to be honest. I'm always a big fan of a brutish, no-nonsense, kick-him-up-in-the-air midfielder, or at least having the option to have one there. Um, I always draw upon... Um, the now deceased but former uh, Fulham player Papa Buba Diop and uh, you know how he players like him came and kind of took the took the league by storm um, in the early 2000s they just came in they did such a great job protecting the back four when when the league was trying to get more attacking and even even faster even at that stage you had these guys who came in and they were real disruptors in there I think Aston Villa need that if they're going to get the most out of a 4-3-3 this season and um, I think they're going to need a bit more height in midfield I'm not massive fan of having everybody in there and and this is a bit hypocritical considering I'm only about five foot eight myself but I'm not a massive fan of only having people in there that are uh, short players in the middle of midfield because I do think you need to have a bit of bulk in there so I think for Aston Villa I think they will be focused on maybe bringing in one more midfield reinforcement we haven't seen too many outgoings as well in the some people that we thought might be gone from the club haven't exited yet and um, maybe that's coming too so um I do think that we do need a small bit more heft in midfield and uh, be interesting to see who they bring in to be uh, to, to maybe complement the players that we have already. Against certain teams, I think the combination of McGinn, Louise, or Nakamba is probably going to be good enough. Sanson, you know, jury's out. We haven't seen enough yet. He's, he's injured a lot when he joined. Plus, he joined at a, in the January window. You can't really judge signings like that. But again, he's very similar to all those types of players. So we need something a little bit different there. I think most people will probably say the same thing. Someone like a Basuma, we've been linked with Decore. Um, who seems to have the right attributes. Pepe Sarr, again, seems to have the right attributes. That player who's able to dictate the game um, uh, and almost be like Kante, you know, just have that presence in midfield where if you are going to play two in midfield, you're not going to get overrun and allow the likes of Louise or McGinn or Sanson even to, to push forward. Uh, and basically, a, a better version of Nakamba. You know, I really like Nakamba. I think he's, he's got some great attributes and does a lot for the team that goes unnoticed. Uh, but that defensive side, I think we can we can easily replicate with a, with a better player who's better on the ball and a bit more progressive. Albeit Nakamba's been pretty good in preseason in terms of how he's been passing and his more progressive passes. But I think in the Premier League, it's obviously a different standard. So if we can get that type of player, then I think we're set. 
Um, you can't really ask more 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 than that. Obviously, it'd be nice to keep Jack, but considering that's happened, it'll be a it'll be in a spectacular window, I think. Yeah, I think there's 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 still a couple of couple of gaps we need to fill. I think the first one for me would be a midfielder. I think with what Louise has been through in terms of constant constant football for about two years now since Project Restart, it feels like. Um, I just think. Yeah, we need we need reinforcement there. Nakamba, I think, is a really, really good player. But is he that player to take you to the next level, to take you into Europe? I'm not sure. I think McGinn's great as well. But I just think you need a little bit more quality in there and a more, more range of options. So I think, for me, you'd go for a big, burly, no-nonsense type. But I don't think that's, that's Dean Smith style at all. Um, obviously, people have been talking about James Ward-Prowse and, and things like that. I think that's a decent option to have, but I just, I just simply do not see Southampton giving us their two best players after rings as well. So, midfielder for me, I think, is crucial. Um, I think defence is fine, attack's fine. We've invested there brilliantly. So, no, I think just a midfielder for me. Dean Smith likes footballing midfielders. Uh, I don't see him as liking a destroyer. And I don't... A lot of people say elite six, bring in an elite six. Well, an elite six has to do two things they have to recover the ball intercept the ball win tackles but then they have to evade the press and they have to start the attack and so marvelous Nakamba, for example does a very good job at the first few things he can tackle he can keep the ball ticking over he knows when to to drop and to shield the back four and that's usually you know to delay and to allow the back four to get into shape he does all those things perfectly fine but when it comes to the transitional part of it which is what i think aston villa is really keying on those moments when the opposition is unbalanced and vulnerable that's when you need a guy who can play the ball and you know it's been clear from this window that the guy that aston villa wants is james ward prowse and he ticks all of those boxes and adds the dynamic of a set piece specialist in the ruthless category of that. If they got all those things in one player plus a leader, that would be absolutely a remarkable get for me considering, you know, he just signed his contract recently and he's not for sale and Southampton have said over and over he's not for sale. Of course they're going to say that because if they didn't their fans would go apoplectic. So I think that would really cap off the window for me if they got that kind of a player. I mean James Ward-Prowse was third in the Premier League in tackles. I don't think a lot of people realize that that he really is a two-way player. And moving away from Villa just for fun and we can come back and laugh at the end of the season. Give me your Premier League top six and your Premier League bottom three. Uh, yeah, top six I think is going to be Manchester City, obviously. Now they've got Jack and probably going to get Kane. Uh, second, I'm going to go for Chelsea. Third, I'm going to go for Man United. Fourth, Liverpool. Fifth, Leicester. And sixth, uh, I think, oh, it's a difficult one. I can see us finishing as high as six, to be honest, but I think it might be Spurs. I think we're going to have City and United are going to battle out for the top two positions, depending on who City get as a striker. Uh, I think it would be interchangeable as to who finishes first, whether it's going to be United, whether it's going to be City. Um, I love the work that United have done, the business that they've done to bring in Sancho and Varane. Um, I think the, the training pack will be um, I think you're going to have, obviously you're going to have Liverpool in there too and Leicester. I think the, the top four, there won't be any, uh, too many surprises. Leicester have done some great business as well. And I think Liverpool have a trick up their sleeve for the end of the, end of the transfer market. And I, I think it's going to be Spurs and Chelsea are going to occupy those two positions. Now, I think there might be a small bit of interchangeability between possibly between, um, possibly between Liverpool and Chelsea. Liverpool could drop out of the top four. Chelsea obviously 
Um, I don't know if they have signed Romelu Lukaku at this stage, but if they do, you know, that's another pivotal player for them and they have a lot of players to choose from, obviously coming off the Champions League win last season. So it's uh, yeah, the, the top six, I think, is going to, be, going to be tough to break into. So I will go Chelsea to win the league, Man City second, Liverpool third, Manchester United fourth, Leicester fifth and Spurs sneaking above Villa into sixth. Chelsea, um, looks as though Lukaku's on his way back there, who's a great player. We're going for Manchester City in second spot. I think the fact that they haven't got a striker in yet um, will hurt you. But You could argue that they need Tanny Ings more than they need Jack. In third, I'm going with Manu. Fourth, I've gone with Leicester. I really like Leicester and what they're trying to do and how they're going about things. Uh, and then in fifth, I've got Liverpool. I feel as though Liverpool have just stagnated a little bit since they won the league. I haven't really seen them invest in anybody. Um, I just feel as though they're going backwards. They nearly missed out on Champions League last season. I feel they'll have the work cut out. Um, so that's fifth. And then sixth, really, he's up for grabs. But if I'm going to stick my neck on the line, um, I'll probably say Spurs. Uh, see, this, this one's the one that's going to get me in a little bit of a trouble. I think Man City will win the title. Um, I think they're just too much of a force. They've got amazing things going on there. We all know how it is. I think Liverpool will come in second. I think third will be Manchester United. I think Spurs surprises a lot of people under Nuno. They become fourth. Uh, fifth will be Leicester and sixth West Ham. To clarify before we move on, to make sure you haven't forgot, Chelsea not in the top six? No, Chelsea's not in the top six for me. I think there's going to be an injury crisis or something going on at Chelsea. I just think that off of coming off such the high, I think some of the players that they have in the squad aren't going to do as well. And that is me being a little biased because most of my friends are Chelsea supporters. So they'll be seeing this and they'll be like, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> so that's the reason why then. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, sir. Top six then, I think um, Arsenal will get sick. I think it was quite hard to get sick. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, Leicester fifth, I think they'll miss out on Champions League just again because that's what they seem to do every year. Uh, Liverpool fourth. Man United third, Chelsea second, and then a small club from the northwest called Man City will win the league. But I think Chelsea, I think Chelsea give them a real good, real good go. I think looking like they're going to sign Lukaku, that's outrageous. Their squad is just unbelievable. So I think Chelsea and Man City will be going for the title together. So my top six for this season are going to be Chelsea, City, United, Liverpool, Leicester. And it could be it could be anyone for that sixth, but I'll prob I'm gonna I'm gonna go West I'm gonna go West Ham. Um, I feel like they'll still be up there again. Man City, Chelsea, Man U, Liverpool, Leicester, Spurs. That's my top six. Top six. You know, I haven't even thought about everybody else. I don't care about anybody else, frankly. I'm sick of everybody else. I'm sick of the top <laughs> six, the established top six. 
drives me nuts. Yeah, bottom three. I think it's going to be difficult for Watford. I, I, I think obviously coming up from the from um, from the championship. And to be honest with you, I think I think we're likely to see the the three teams that, that got relegated or that got promoted this year to to go back down again. I, I'm not too sure if we see any see any massive surprises. Potentially, you could see a Southampton in trouble at the bottom as well, depending on whether James Ward-Prowse is fit to start the season or maybe he doesn't even start the season with a with a red and white uh, shirt on. Um, but I think this, um, I think that the erratic form of Southampton could lead to them being towards the bottom of the table as well. But uh, for me, I think it's most likely going to be the, the the three teams that came up are going to go down again because once again, as I say, it's just it's it's getting so cutthroat in the Premier League that if you don't spend money, it can be very very difficult. And not a lot of people have done a lot of business so far. Uh, the bottom three going down. I have Watford, Brentford, and Brighton. I just think that there's going to be something where uh, Brentford's a shock. I've told a couple of people Brentford, and they were like, you're out of your mind. I've been he's going to be great. Um, I, I think they're going to hit a little bit of a speed bump. I think they're going to suffer from a little bit of the selling off some of their better players in years past. And then I've got Brighton, Watford, and Norwich to go down. I just think, yeah, two nearly promoted sides. I think Norwich will do a lot the same as what they did the last time that they're in the Premier League. They'll be quite easy on the eye, but I don't think they've got enough about them. Watford will probably have about 19, 20 managers through the season. And Brighton, I think, are very pretty, you know, but they've not got that killer instinct. I think they need a striker and I'm not convinced they'll get one. So I think they'll struggle and they've lost their best player in Benoit. And bottom three, uh, I think Southampton are going to struggle big time, especially if the Ward Prowse goes, but with the Ings going as well. Uh, I can see I can see Watford down there and I can see Brentford down there. I think they're, they're three for me. Norwich, Crystal Palace, Brentford. I don't mean to be nasty to the yo-yo club in Norwich, but I think they'll go straight back down. Um, losing Buendia is not ideal at all. I know they've signed Rashika, Rashika, who we were after for the last 10 years, it feels like. Um, I think that's a decent investment. Losing Cantwell, potentially, I think they'll probably keep him, but I just think they'll struggle. Um, Watford, I've put 19th, and Southampton, 18th. I think Southampton's a big call. I think Brentford will stay up. I actually quite fancy them, but Southampton losing there. They're number nine in Danny Ings. I just, I think they will struggle. Bottom three, I feel like it will be Watford, Newcastle and Brentford. It's really hard to say, but I, I might say Watford. Here's who I hope goes down. I hope it's Burnley. I hope it's Newcastle. And what's another one that really doesn't belong in there? Eh, I'm going to say Watford. And then finally, as a thanks for coming on, give us a little plug where we can find you on social media, that kind of thing. Where can people come and speak to you about Villa? Where can't we find people, you? <laughs> I was going to say, people probably absolutely sick to death of me, but yeah, at Dan Bardell on, on Twitter. Yeah, doing bits for The Athletic, The Villa View. Who scored? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm everywhere at the moment. So people are probably absolutely sick of the sight of me. They'll, know, they'll probably know where to find me. Or not to find me if they don't want to. They'll know where to find me, so I reckon. <laughs> no, it's not because I said the other bit at the end. <laughs> yeah, Villa on Tour on YouTube. Match day vlogs on there with the season coming back. That'll be a good one. Uh, Twitter, at Villa on Tour underscore. And then Instagram's the same as Twitter as well. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at RoyT1. Cool. So you can find us on Up The Villa Podcast on YouTube and Twitter, uh, which is a fan-based channel. We look to have any Villa fan on board um, and we're going to be doing fan cams, match reactions and previews each week. So subscribe to us. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, on Twitter at Villa Podcast or one word, the, the Villa Talks Podcast. Uh, we've been going for nearly a year now and we've grown pretty quickly. Uh, well, more, more than I expected anyway, but 
um you know we're on on twitter we're only audio only so on spotify apple google podcasts etc we're all on there we don't really do youtube we'll do a youtube special now and again we did a interview with dwight york uh, that was well received that's on there if you want to watch it but we try and stick to audio only uh unfortunately no one to see our ugly mug so we, st- we stick to audio only but we, t- we tend to do uh one or two podcasts a week we tend to do uh, a sort of a match review uh in depth or sort of analytical review uh, with, with a couple of guys and then we do a bit more laid back and uh, uh, a bit more jovial uh, sort of weekly podcast where we look at all sorts of things um, and we try and have a sort of a quiz or a game in there somewhere as well so we had a game last season called DDAC so we did it six which is named after the famous famous uh, 70s Villa player who only played a few games French player but uh, it was a bit like room 101 uh, but Aston Villa's version so things like that we do a bit more fun a bit, bit different but yeah check it out check us out um, if you can, we do everything on Twitter. So if you want to check us out, just go to Twitter and check us out on there, and then you'll be able to find everything you need from there. I super appreciate being on the Claret and Blue Pod, Dan. I'm very flattered about it. I've only started this project about uh, two and a half months ago. And if you you want to watch my videos, they're on YouTube, the Holy Trinity Show, and uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Holy underscore Trinity underscore AV. Uh, yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Mark Jerebi. I changed my handle pretty recently. Or you can read about Aston Villa in all kinds of different ways at underagaslitlamp.com. You can also follow underagaslitlamp at Villa Lamp. It's confusing. I'm out of practice with this stuff, Danny. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm always around, always talking about Aston Villa share a little music stuff here and there too but yeah it's been great thanks for having me on there first of all thanks a million for having me on and if you want to find me you can find me at at love McGrapod on twitter um pretty active there i like to chat to everybody where we've got our podcast is on all very good on all good podcast platforms should i say whether it be apple podcast spotify spreaker acast whatever it's on you, you'll find it in whatever platform you use and also we've taken a foray into the youtube uh, market at the moment i don't know whether it's good i don't know whether you know i've the faith for it but we're going to give it a go anyway so you can find us at for the love of paul mcgrath podcast on youtube as well don't worry about that dan we don't need to plug me let's plug let's plug you guys claret and blue podcast yeah claret and blue podcast like subscribe get involved join the villa content up the villa thank you for listening to claret and blue and aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa up the villa